listening to Season 3, Episode 25. Thank you so much for tuning in to Let's Talk Shop. Welcome, I'm, my name is Therese and I'm your host. I run a business called Small Business Collaborative where I help business owners grow and scale their wholesale. Right now, I'm in the middle of launching my new course called Let's Talk Sales, where I will be helping you grow your sales and get become more confident with your sales. Each week in September, we will go through another topic in relation to sales in a live call of course it will be recorded if you can't join us live and there will be private facebook group with loads of support and every week we are going to learn something new and we are going to stay accountable and make the most out of september i'm sure you all know that september is a really big month for wholesale and for retailers since that's when traditionally there's trade shows to attend and buying to be done but of course the trade shows are not going ahead in the traditional sense this year so outreach and staying on top of your sales will be more important than ever before in this episode i am speaking with Catherine from Future Retail and the Resilient Retail Club about pitching to large retailers. So this is if you have already booked a meeting with a retailer and we will go through what to do before the meeting, what will happen during the meeting and what to do after the meeting. So I hope that this will be really helpful for you guys, especially this year. It can be applied to both virtual meetings and real life meetings. And uh, Catherine and I would have sat on opposite sides of the table in our former roles. Me from the sales side and the brand side and Catherine would have sat on the buying side in the merchandising team. Really hope you enjoy this very informative episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can always leave us a little review if you like the podcast over on Apple Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. And I would love to see where you're tuning in. So do tag me. I'm small underscore business underscore collaborative over on Instagram. But here's my chat with Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Welcome back to Let's Talk Shop. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I think you're one of the most frequent guests on this podcast. (laughs) I'm honoured, I'm honoured. But um, it would be great, uh, nevertheless, if you can start off by introducing yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name's Catherine Erdley. I'm the founder of Future Retail Consulting and also the Resilient Retail Club, which is my membership for creative product businesses. And I have about 20 years experience in the retail industry up until the end of 2017, I worked in high street retailers. And then for the last two, two and a half years, I've been running my own business and I help creative product businesses grow their sales, manage their stock and build long lasting businesses. Brilliant. I think the retail club I've had so many good things about it. Oh, thank um, you. But <laughs> so much into it, which I think is lovely. Yeah, no, it's 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 becoming like my business baby, you know, like <laughs> it's been no, it's been really good and it's uh something I started. I didn't actually originally intend when I began 2020 to start a membership, but with lockdown and I just really wanted to have a community that I could support and show up on a regular basis and be there for them, cheer them on, which is all stuff that I 
love to do. And and then I was able to combine um, a lot of my courses and material into one place so that people could access that for a low monthly fee so no it's worked out really well plus of course there's a thriving community lots of support and I love watching how members support each other and share their wins so no it's it's been wonderful actually I have to say I think it is wonderful like the whole idea you know there's been so many businesses this year because of COVID that has responded to a need and pivoted or come up with a brilliant solution mm-hmm. so I think, I think it there was a need so you saw it and I think that's brilliant thank you so today we wanted to talk a little bit I mean trade chaser cancelled mm-hmm. and we want to talk a little bit about nailing your pitch to a large retailer and we would have sat on opposite sides of the table, me in sales and you in merchandising. So we thought we'd come on here and share a little bit. This is what I love about the work that we do together in the wholesale materials that we've pulled together on our courses. But everything that we've done, including this this um, podcast, is because we are looking at the same thing from two different sides. So I've worked in retailers for many years where I was buying in wholesale products and I've also sold products at wholesale to other retailers. So even big retailers, so for example, when I worked at Paper Chase, we were selling some of our products to a Norwegian company. Uh, so I've pitched wholesale and I've bought in wholesale. And of course, you've got such an incredible depth of knowledge of the selling side as well. So it just seems like it's a great opportunity for us to share both sides of the same coin if you you like yeah and I think it means that it's a bit more interesting than just hearing one of us talk about (laughs) it and from one side so I really I think this is a great way of doing things and it's all about working together as well I think that makes it more fun absolutely so we have split it up into different parts so I thought we'd first talk a little bit about what you need to do before a meeting with a large retailer. I think the first thing to do is uh, to establish what season the buyer is buying for because different retailers work at a different time scale, which can be quite confusing because some people work a year out and some people work six months out. Now with COVID, maybe some are working on a very short lead time. Absolutely. And I think that that really comes down to the fact that Different retailers release their budgets at different times. So they are going to be, sometimes they're going to hold a bit of money back for trading. So they then they'll need product at the last minute. Uh, some retailers are a bit more organized. Uh, so they've got their planning then for 12 months out. It just really depends on where they're at. So it's always good to clarify. Yeah. And of course, now meetings might actually be virtually too. Mm-hmm. So we might actually be preparing slightly differently. But I think that if whether it's virtual or in person, the first thing to do is make sure that all your sales material are up to date. If it's a virtual meeting, I think there's a benefit to preparing some catalog slides instead of sending the catalog for the buyer to have in front of them when you have your meeting because otherwise they might get sidelined and move to other products that you don't actually want them to look at right there and then mm-hmm. so I think and if you if you are seeing them in person then I like to pack my bag very specifically so that you pack it so the first thing that comes out 
out of the bag is the thing that you want to show first as I think is really important how you prepare <laughs> for a meeting and if you are doing it virtually I think that you need to I mean my recommendation would probably be in most cases to ask the buyer during the meeting what samples they want to see so again, you have that control over the meeting. Of course, if you need to send them some samples before to get the meeting, that's that's of course okay. If you're seeing the buyer in person, then I always like to bring some sort of treats. It's always goes down a treat like people love that when you bring something into the office it doesn't have to be a big thing I usually go for like some brownies some cookies donuts or cupcakes or something like that it's just a nice icebreaker of course that's harder to do virtually but you could potentially send something I was gonna say you could send something in with the samples you know here have a look through the catalog with samples and a treat yeah absolutely I think that sounds lovely I think the key thing to remember is that the buying team or the the head office team are going to be incredibly busy. So unfortunately, they don't always stick to time, but you have to be on time. If you are going to be meeting them in person, it may be worth doing a trial run because often the entrance to a head office is tucked away down a back street somewhere so don't yeah. assume you'll arrive at the at the shop and it will be obvious where they are give yourself the time to find them if you're going to be meeting them online make sure that whatever software they're using if it's zoom or something else that you've got it downloaded that you know where the link is you've checked it all works beforehand basically don't assume that they'll have time to fit you in later if you're running late because they just simply don't have that much time they will need to see you at the time that that you were supposed to see them and don't assume that they could be flexible. Yeah, and in particular now, I think, when they might have been furloughed for months and have yep. to catch up. Yeah, they're probably all scrambling around. And that's another reason that it will be a bit harder to get your hands on what season they're buying for, because it could be if everything's been put on hold, they may suddenly be scrabbling to fill their autumn winter on the flip side, if they've got a big stock mm. problem, they may be no longer looking for autumn, winter and only focusing on spring. So it's always worth clarifying beforehand. Yeah, and that way you, you, you're you tailoring your pitch and you it gives out a good impression as if you kind of know what you're doing, which is great. It gives the buyer a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that it's also important. Now, it might not be possible, but if it is possible for you, then I think it's really important to visit one of their stores before you pitch so you can imagine where things would sit what way they might display things how many products they tend to take from a certain retailer and really just get to know their pricing architecture a bit you know do they retail things at or you know 199 or two pounds what do they go for or is it 195 what how, what is their pricing structure i mean, think you know you can tailor it by just getting to know them a little bit more yeah i think that i couldn't really agree more with your point Therese, because i think that pr- preparation is key you want to make sure you have a really excellent understanding of what the product handwriting is like think of which of your products are most likely to appeal with the with the with the business and lead with those it's so clear when people haven't done their research and a lot of people will find it really 
they'll they'll take offense if you turn up and you and you don't really have an understanding of how their store works so do your research be genuine but don't be over don't be excessive so one time I worked for a clothing retailer somebody turned up to a meeting to pitch to us and they were wearing head to toe everything was came from the retailer that I worked for for and it was it was just actually a little bit awkward <laughs> I think they were trying to be flattering but it somehow <laughs> didn't come out like that yeah it's just a bit odd <laughs> yeah that was a bit odd <laughs> Another good idea is to understand who will be at the meeting with you. So you may get a list of attendees from the buyer beforehand on the meeting invite. So if you get a name but no job title, try looking them up on LinkedIn so you can at least get a sense of their job role. As well as the buyers, they may bring along a member of the merchandising team. These are the people who manage the budget. (laughs) So even if you won't be working with them directly on orders, it's worth making friends with them too. And I guess one of my key tips, which shouldn't really require saying it, but just remember the junior members of the team, the the people who you will be the people that you'll be dealing with the most in terms of the admin and the paperwork, and they are the gatekeepers for the whole organisation. So above all, again, I sh- it doesn't it shouldn't really have to be said, and I'm sure most people don't need this saying to them. But treat them with respect, be polite and respectful of these members of the team. It's not only the decent thing to do, but it makes excellent business sense too. Because believe me. If those people, if you don't treat them with respect or you're dismissive of them because they're more junior, you know, they are holding the keys to the admin, to your orders getting booked in, to your orders getting out to stores, all of that stuff, your purchase orders getting raised, your invoice, you know, which will then trigger your payment eventually with finance, all of those things. So uh, I've certainly seen it, unfortunately, sometimes when suppliers or potential stockists have been dismissed or just not paid as much respect to the admin members of the team. But it's very short-sighted because they really do hold a lot of control in the business. Absolutely. I I think that it, that's a, you know, it's a very old-fashioned way of looking at things when you think, like, oh, I should just deal with the decision maker because mm. that's just not how retail works anymore. No. I think the junior members of the team are like gold dust they are the ones that can help you when you don't understand something or if you have a delay and you don't want to be fined they're like your best friends really (laughs) (laughs) and of course they also move up usually if they're a good junior buyer they're going to move up so you know make sure you make friends with people absolutely so then we looked a little bit about what questions might come up during a meeting. So, of course, pricing and discounts is something that might come up in discussion. And I think that before you quote any firm prices, you might give them an indication. But before you quote any firm prices, I think it is really important that you know what sort of quantities they're interested in, because that can obviously make a huge you know, difference. Are they placing one order that season or are they planning to reorder throughout the season? And, you know, can they provide you with a sales forecast to help you plan your stock management and stuff? And also their trading terms, which is really important that you know a little bit about before you quote the final price, as well as any extra requirements. Large retailers will have things like a specific carrier you have to use that you have to pay for. You might have to pay for the labels that are special to them and you know, you have to order them from a specific place and they might want some settlement discount, which means that if they pay their invoice on time, they take a bit of money off. So 
I think it's really important that you have this information before you go into any firm quote, because in particular, the settlement discount can actually be quite a lot. It ranged from 5%. And I think the highest I've heard is 1625, which is a lot of money, obviously, when you're dealing with small margins. And then I think you have to also be really clear of your lead times, your production time. Don't and over promise and under deliver because you will be fined so make sure that you are really clear on what you can and can't do if they want a delivery date you have to say yes i can do this delivery date if you get me the firm po by this date because they are expert of wanting you to put a delivery date down and then the po comes the week before <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think when a big retailer is looking to work with a new brand, then one of the things that they're going to be under they're going to be looking for to make them feel comfortable with going ahead with a new relationship is whether or not you can actually meet their demands. So as you said, Therese, you've got to be really clear about what you can achieve and you should never overpromise. So be realistic about what you can produce and in what time frame. Retailers, if they're manufacturing themselves from the Far East, then they may well have a six month lead time because they'll have to order in components, then they'll have the actual production time and then they will have five weeks on the water and then the time that it takes for the goods to get to their warehouse. So there's lots of so they what I'm trying to say is they're used to dealing with people who've got longer lead times. So be pessimistic. Don't tell them you can get it for them in four weeks if you think you're probably going to get it for them in five. Tell them that you'll get it for them in seven weeks, for example. So (laughs) don't be afraid to quote them the most pessimistic view. It's far better to tell them, say, four months for delivery and be ready in three months than the other way around. And nothing is going to sour that relationship with the retailer quicker than you making promises that you can't deliver. The call that you never want to make is the call where you have to say to them I'm sorry I know I said this date but it's not going to happen by then that is really not some a conversation you want to have so they should be able to provide you with a document which is known as a supplier manual this will give you a huge amount of detail on their packaging and labeling requirements as well as any samples they require for photography and testing so for example some retail businesses will in will want you to be sending them a sample so that way before the delivery so that they can have it photographed and ready to go on their website as soon as the product hits. So just be aware of those kind of things. Also think about, would you be prepared to offer them exclusivity on a particular product? So in other words, agree that you will not provide it to another retailer. You can also think about whether or not you can offer collaboration. So for example, exclusive products that you develop, especially for that retailer. Also get a sense of where they're planning to send your product. Do they see it more as a flagship or top store range, which would be smaller quantities, or would they consider sending it to more stores? What would you suggest to them if you were in their shoes? Is your product more niche or could it go everywhere? Yeah, I think it's so many things that you can think about. And if you've thought about it before your meeting, you will come across so professional Mm -hmm. and they will automatically trust what you say it just puts you much more in control over the meeting and it's much nicer for all of you to deal with each other absolutely so I often get asked like what should I wear to a meeting with a big retailer and I think this is a great question because that has changed a lot throughout the years I think I think that, for example, when I first started in the business, if you were going to Harrods, you needed to wear something dark and really smart. 
Whereas now, when they're not by the store anymore, it's much more casual. So I really think that it depends on the retailer. I would say that fashion buyers are very casual, usually. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like John Lewis are often a little bit more like smart cash. One good indicator, I think, is looking at how the store's uh, shop team are, how they're dressed, what kind of, you know, what level of casual are they? And if you are unsure i always go with like a dress and mm-hmm. a cardigan or a smart jacket because you can always kind of take that off or dress it up sort of thing and um you know i think that you just have to look you know presentable you don't have to wear a suit or anything like that i think yeah i think you're right i think the days of wearing a suit are it just is, it doesn't really fit with the majority of the way that the majority of head offices dress these days yeah but then on the other hand you don't have to show up in shorts and flip-flops so (laughs) i think although (laughs) if you're having a virtual meeting you can have pj bottoms and no one would know (laughs) i think it does depend on the brand that you're visiting uh if you are visiting a retail head office i would just as a word of warning i've never worked in any retail head office that didn't either have ferocious air conditioning or (laughs) basically no air conditioning at all. So just (laughs) be prepared that you you might want to go with layers just because you'll either end up being freezing cold or you'll end up be boiling hot. So it's always worth bearing that in mind. But yeah, I think professional and pulled together in the same way that you might would do for an interview. Uh, prob- yeah, suits, I think, is a bridge too far. But you know, you want to look like you've made an effort. I think that's the main thing. A lot of the time, they want to see that you're serious about your business, that you're going to be able to meet their demands, and that you're, you know, you're serious about working with them. And this is something that you're committed to. So sort of the effort that you've put in, to your dress as I said professional pulled together is the key thing really yeah and then during the meetings we we thought of some do's and don'ts for during the meeting and my thing is if it's an actual physical in-person meeting is don't unpack all the samples at once because you will lose control and they will start picking through your suitcase like when I first went to my first few meetings I would just put the suitcase you know on the table or something but then people start rummaging through that it's too exciting there's too (laughs) much excitement if you just put them out there equally if you unpack everything and put it on the table it gets very exciting and they won't listen to you actually presenting to them so I always try to keep the bag on the floor next to me and then I will pick things out as and when they become relevant and then I think it's super important to always go with open-ended questions and if you if it's your first meeting with a retailer even just sitting down beforehand and prepare questions you might ask the buyers like it might be other ranges that does well or if something is sitting something that your product sit next to really well or a trend you notice they're buying into so just a few talking points to to talk about your product and how you can showcase how your products tie into what they already do and i think also really importantly which kind of was what i was saying before is don't agree to anything that you don't feel comfortable with so if that is pressure if they're putting pressure on you in terms of pricing and delivery time it's better for you to say 
I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to go away with every all the information you shared to to come up with the the best lead time and the best price I can do for you. I think that's more appreciated, but then promising something and then realize that actually you can't do that. Absolutely, you don't want to have that awkward moment where you have to go back. In terms of then the do's and don'ts, I would say that the buyers they have very well honed commercial instincts and they're often very clear about what they do and don't like, and they'll be seeing hundreds, if not thousands of products every week so we'll be very quickly able to identify what they're interested in for their business don't spend a lot of time talking about your competitors or the market for your product so for example if you meet a notebook buyer don't don't take the time to explain to them what the market is for notebooks Mm -hmm. they will know pretty much everything there is to know about notebooks including who your competitors are in the marketplace the other thing is is that do not attempt to change their minds when they express an opinion about your product Even if you're convinced it will sell in their stores, if they don't agree, then you're only going to alienate them by insisting that it sells everywhere else, for example. I mean, you can give them hints and tips about what your best sellers are. All of that kind of information is very useful. They want to understand how your product is selling in general and what your best sellers have been. They like to Mm. know what's new and exciting. And like everyone else, they're looking for the next big thing. But if they make a decision, if it's clear from their body language or what they're saying that it's not for them, definitely don't get engaged in a, a, a trial of wills to try and persuade them otherwise because it's just not going to happen uh, and also because they it may well be that there's something else that's going to play that role for them from another business and they you know they'll be thinking about how your product fits in the entire range so you know don't be afraid to guide them through your range but if they're not reacting to something it's best just to move on you want to read the room don't you yes so what to expect at the meeting? I would say that most meetings are either 30 or 60 minutes and they are not drag and den sort of style meetings where you'll be standing up in front of people and talking or, you know, like they do in The Apprentice sometimes. It's generally a sit down around a table. There's a two-way conversation about you, your business and your product. So I'll usually begin if it's a new buy, you know, a new re- retailer that I haven't had a meeting with before I will begin with a few minutes of like casual conversations the sort of pleasantries if you will and then I will be telling them a little bit about the brand not going on I I wouldn't go on and on about it but just some key points that they can contact with maybe who your customer are where you sell well and a little bit about how that ties in with them as you you said Catherine they are obviously experts on your business so your job is to communicate how you fit into that rather than lecturing them you know trying to convince them of something that it isn't and then I usually go I have usually planned out the order I'm going to say things in but as you said Catherine it's all about being intuitive and listening to the buyer if they're really not interested in the product just move on to the next product and try to keep the momentum of the meeting and keep it positive of course if they are ooming and ahhing about something and they're not really telling you you can ask for feedback that's absolutely fine and you know if they seem like they might like it but they're not quite sure you can sort of you can just ask them like what do you think is that something you would like to see a sample of you know you can always ask them for feedback mm-hmm. but do keep it moving along ask them if they have any questions at all and then really importantly ask them when they're likely to make a decision because i think that's really important for your follow-up and then make sure to thank them for their time 
summarize if there's any points that you're going to be getting back to them on or any samples that you you know they're keeping I would make sure you write it down in your notebook so that everyone leaves the meeting knowing what's going to happen next absolutely that's a great way to wrap it up and I think the other thing I would just say about the meetings is that it, they can be a little bit chaotic. You know, retail head offices are just very, very busy places, very fast paced. The meeting's going to take place in a conference room that could be the biggest one in the building, if that's what was free, or a teeny little one, if that's the only one they could get their hands on. Uh, don't be alarmed if the buyer disappears off halfway through to grab somebody else to come in and take a look. That's probably a good sign. It might mean that the they saw the buying director walk past or a more senior buyer and they need to they want to quickly show them your products and have them meet you because often, you know, the decision to take on a new supplier can sometimes has to go fairly high up the decision making chain. So it's not a bad thing at all if they rush off to get someone else. Also, don't panic if they get pulled out of the meeting for something there's always urgent things happening don't be put off if the entire meeting gets thrown out of your conference room because somebody else had a booking there's always something like that going on but don't let (laughs) it throw you (laughs) i'm sure it's happened to you a few times Therese. yeah i mean like sometimes there's like literally people that go well this is our meeting room and then you get relocated to uh, a random chair in the you know in a pile <laughs> somewhere <laughs> it, it happens yes it yes, happens come sit by my desk. yeah yeah yes don't let it throw you off it's just the way it goes you know just stay calm just relax and be yourself and who knows it might even be fun yeah and I think that's the good thing you know they if you take that well then brilliant I've had times where you know I had meetings like I, uh, I had a meeting with Urban once, and we ended up not even getting a meeting room, and and we had to go to a cafe. But the good thing is, it you know it sets a really nice, like friendly tone of just going with the flow. So after the meeting, then what happens after the meeting? I would say I always try to follow up within one or two days, depending on what time the meeting was. I include a bit of a summary of the meeting, uh, what you guys agreed on, if you if they're going to get back to with to you with any information, or if they're waiting for you to provide any information. I usually list what samples they kept, or what samples I'm going to be sending them. Just a bit of a summary, and a little bit of a timeline so if they said to you oh don't expect to hear from me for a couple of weeks our next sign up off meeting is this day then you acknowledge that in that meeting of course you also want to thank them for the meeting and do all the pleasantries too yes Therese said being polite and proactive it goes a long way with buying teams so as as Therese mentioned if you promise to send them something make sure that you do it and you include all of the information on one email preferably bullet pointed make it as easy and as simple as possible for them simplicity is so key so what do you do if you're not heard back I think that the most important is that if they've said to you, whole, you know, you're not going to hear from me for a couple of weeks, then see that as a, you know, you need to kind of hold off for a couple of weeks. But if that couple of two weeks is up, then I would do, I would send them an email because as Catherine said in the beginning, they're very, very busy. And sometimes selection meetings gets moved or pushed back, directions change. There is a lot going on in a big retailer. So I think it's fair for you to get a reply. You know, if you had a meeting, you got on, they, they are at least keen on your stuff. Otherwise you wouldn't have had a meeting. So 
don't be afraid to email them or pick up the phone just to get some feedback. Often they might just say, you know, the the budget got changed or the selection meeting got got moved and it's now in two weeks. So you know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And buyers receive hundreds of emails a day. And all honestly, if you could see their inboxes, you would be absolutely amazed. So if you don't get any response from your emails, it is worth calling them, picking up the phone. And if you can't get hold of the buyer, trying one of the more junior members of the team, for example. And, you know, although there's every reason to believe that a positive meeting with a retailer could lead to an order, don't be disheartened if it doesn't happen on this occasion. The fact that you got as far as meeting with them is a massive vote of confidence in your products. There are hundreds of reasons why a buyer might not place an order with you from budget constraints to another department covering off a similar product to the retailer deciding to change direction entirely. So it is almost certainly nothing to do with you or your products. But you know, if they do decide to go to not go ahead, there's nothing wrong with asking them for feedback and to remain positive and stay in touch. Ask if you can come in again when you have a new season range of products and follow up with them. If you've had a pleasant meeting, if you've shown yourself to be organized, reliable, somebody who brings in treats, then they're probably <laughs> going to want to see you again. So don't allow any disappointment to get in the way of you reaching out to them in the future. So keep nurturing that relationship and your chances of getting an order from them in the future will be substantially higher. That is so key, isn't it? The you know, we don't give up, we keep going. We're not chasing them every day because, you know, that's also not the nice thing to do. But you definitely keep in touch. Mm -hmm. I mean, if something is selling exceptionally well, maybe something, I think there was a few years ago, there was like a huge Prosecco glass that could you can um, fit a whole bottle of Prosecco in. And <laughs> it, it was featured in some press and then it went crazy. You know, if that happens to you, your buyers, whether they bought from you or not, they're going to want to hear from you. So do keep in touch with them. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I, I hope that the listeners are going to find this useful. I always enjoy chatting. So thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a busy week. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks for asking me. And I think, I guess I would just say as well, you know, the people who work in big retailers, they're often underpaid and overworked so and they're all humans and they're juggling a lot of stuff and right now I can imagine it's even more stressful than it's ever been so you know be patient be polite um and I think also just to say as well that you know remember what you can offer those big retailers because actually independent retailers it's a people want to buy things from independent retailers and the bigger retailers are kind of switching on to that so I don't think it's a crazy pipe dream to think that a big retailer would stock your products it's just going to be a question of persistence and uh yeah keep going yeah and also to add to that actually that's a really good point you know this year you might actually have something to offer that some of their suppliers cannot offer if you have stock ready mm. with relatively short lead times. I'm, to, you know, I'm not talking tomorrow, but you know, within in the next month or so, you might actually be in a position that is quite suitable for them, especially if they don't have to buy big quantities. Yes, if you can offer them, don't feel like this is, um, you know, you don't you don't have anything to offer that they're the ones doing you the favour. You can offer them that newness, that excitement, that ability to purchase from a small business that will be very much, you know, on sort of buying small is on trend, if you like. You can offer them small quantities, fast turnaround times, UK-based people who they can communicate with and quickly get something in. So there's 
there's lots to, don't forget that you're offering them something really valuable too it's not like a one-way street hmm. i i think it's very key to remember and persistence i like persistence <laughs> <laughs> well thank you thank you so much Catherine I really enjoyed chatting and I will pop all your details of course in the show notes as well thank you. but do you want to share where people can connect with you yeah absolutely I'm on Instagram on Facebook and on Pinterest at Future Retail UK I have a free Facebook group called the Female Founders in Retail which you're very welcome to come along and join. And then I have my membership, Resilient Retail, the Resilient Retail Club, which you can find more about at resilientretail.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the show again. You are clearly one of the most frequent guests on this podcast, but I think that is really nice that we can work together. And thank you to all of you who are listening. If you if you want to learn more about the Resilient Retail Club, go and have a look. I've put all the links to everything Catherine does in the show notes. And I will be back with another episode soon. Until then, I hope you do really, really well. And if you have any questions at all about Let's Talk Sales, my new course, then of course, just DM me or drop me an email and we can talk about it. Thank you so much for listening. 